Hey, I want to welcome you to our weekend worship experience, and I'm so glad you come to join us and be a part of what's happening here. Even though it's on video and even though you're seeing this over your computer or your phone or your tablet or whatever it might be, I, I know that God's at work no matter our venue and no matter what the technology is, God has something for you. So thanks for being, being part of this. At the very beginning of this, you saw that there's different ways to connect. They're all down below. This is how you can find resources, uh, note-taking sheets, all kinds of things available for you take that one step closer to Jesus. There's also uh, different ways that you can respond and give your tithes and offerings. Just respond back to God with open hands, knowing that he is for you. And so make sure you check those out below. One last thing, you can hit that subscribe button. That'll keep you kind of in the loop when we have new videos that post uh, regularly each week and even sometimes more. So make sure to hit that button and be part of our New Life subscriber family. Well, if you have your Bibles, I want you to get them out and I want you to turn to the book of Genesis. We're going to be in Genesis again, the very first book of the Bible. Very easy to find, very easy to get there. And I want you to get to Genesis 16. And uh, we're going to dive into a story and an account today uh, where we see another name of God. Now, this series we're in is called God Is. And we've been looking at, uh, in the Bible, the names that have been given to him. And these names are important because they really talk about the character of God, who he is and how he responds to us. So it's not just learning some history. It's not just, you know, learning some kind of where do these names come from, but how they affect us right here in 2021 and how our lives impact are impacted by God's strength and character and his power and his love and his kindness, all these things that tie in together. So if you go back to the very beginning of this series, uh, we looked at this name Yahweh in this all-encompassing name of God. And if you go back and you watch that, you'll see how we ended up with this name Jehovah, uh, which is probably one we're more familiar with, but that was Yahweh and Adonai, which means Lord, kind of translated together. So every time you see this word Jehovah, understand it's this Hebrew name of Yahweh, this God who is personal and who's for us. Second week, we looked at Jehovah Jireh, who is God who provides for us. Then Jehovah Shalom, who is God, my peace. Then Jehovah Nissi, which is God, my banner and defender and protector. And last week, we looked at Jehovah Rapha, which is God is my healer. And I've had uh, so many people come and talk to me, have uh, emailed me about how important that was for them to know that when I am wounded and when I'm hurt, that, that God is the one who brings healing uh, to my body, but also to my soul and my spirit. And if you missed that, go back just one week and you can watch that. But today we're going to look at another name of God and it's this name that God is El Roy. Now, and this means the mighty one who sees me. Now, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm not saying that God is El Roy, like George Jetson's son, but El Roy, which means the mighty one, the mighty God who sees me. And we're going to dive into a story in Genesis 16 where this comes from. But let me ask this. Have you, have you ever been lost? Uh, and, and I mean like, like really you don't quite know how to navigate or how to, where to turn or, or even kind of maybe what direction you're going. Um, no idea how to kind of get through this. Well, last week I told you about a hike that I took with my family at Lake Tahoe that turned a little bit ugly because this hike just seemed to go on forever and ever and ever. We weren't lost. It just felt like the never ending hike. But another hike that I took... <laughs> 
I'm great at these hikes, uh, was with a few guys and I knew the general direction that we needed to go. And uh, I uttered those kind of crazy words. Hey, let's just go cross country. Like, let's get off the trail because I know we need to get over that hill, over in that direction. And, uh, and then said this, it'll be faster and it won't be any problem at all. Just go straight there. Well, needless to say, it was not faster and it ended up being a big problem because we got to the top of that hill, which would have seemed so easy just to see where we were going. But when we got to the top, we couldn't tell which direction to turn. And of course, when you go cross country, you can't go in a straight line. So we'd gone around trees and rocks and boulders and some inclines that we couldn't get up. And so by the time we get there, we were turned around and we didn't know which way to go. And it seemed so straightforward when we were at the bottom of that hill, but it was so confusing when we got to the top. Well, being lost can be a directional thing, but being lost can also be a uh, uh, an emotional thing. And maybe you've at times felt emotionally lost, like you don't even know how to navigate your uh, emotions. Maybe something really terrible has happened to you and you don't know where to turn and you don't know what to do. And there's just this sense of disorientation. We can also be spiritually lost where our own soul doesn't know how to quite get through what we're experiencing. And the Bible actually teaches us that we are born spiritually lost and separated from God. That's this original sin, this original separation that we're, we're born into. But that God has a way through this. Well, today we're going to look at a woman who was lost in every sense of the word. She had nowhere to go. She had no one to turn to. She was abused. She was pregnant. She was scared. And she's wandering in the wilderness. So physically, emotionally, spiritually, it was, it was a disaster. But she had an encounter with God and she began to understand something about God. And she gave God this name, El Roy, which teaches us something, not just way back then when this happened, but teaches us right here, right now, in, in the current situations, the current struggles, the current uh, challenges that we face. So in Genesis 16, we come across this woman, and her name is Hagar. And I know you may be thinking, hmm, you know, we're going to be having a baby soon, and maybe that should be on the, on the baby list. Probably not. But Hagar may or may not have believed in God before God actually kind of had this encounter with her. We don't know because we really don't know a whole lot about her other than what we're going to read today. But we know that she doesn't come from a heritage and a background of faith and belief in God. But when you read the story, you know that when it's all said and done, at the end, she believed. Now, the book of Genesis tells us about different people who heard directly from God. God spoke face to face with Adam and Eve in the garden. God spoke to Noah and gave him instructions about building the ark. We've read how God spoke to Isaac and to Jacob. And this week, we're going to look at this woman named Hagar, a woman who, who probably never thought that God would even take notice 
of her, even, even had an inkling that she existed or had any kind of value or importance in her life. And maybe you even hear those words right now and you think, that's just like me. I, that's how I feel. I sometimes wonder, does, does God even know that I'm here? Does God even understand what I'm, what I'm walking through? Would he even pay attention to, to someone, someone like me? That we're going to see that God does. He knows you and he knows me. He sees you and what you're experiencing and what you're walking through, just like he sees and, and, and knows what, what I'm going through and, and what I'm facing. So we know from this passage, and we're going to dive into it here in just a second, but that Hagar was not uh, uh, an important person in culture, in the societal mix of things. She wasn't wealthy. Uh, she didn't really have any status or uh, even any like great mountain moving faith at all. In fact, her, her only real claim to fame was that she ended up in a big, ugly, complicated, domestic mess. And Hagar's story is not a pretty one, but I will tell you there is something powerful in her story. So if you're there in Genesis uh, chapter 16, we're going to start at verse 1, and we're going to read about 12, 13 verses, and you're going to kind of see this story unfold. It says, now Sarai, Abram's wife, had not been able to bear children for him, but she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. There she is. So Sarai said to Abraham, uh, the Lord has prevented me from having children. So go and sleep with my servant and perhaps I can have children through her. Now, it's not going to be like literally her, but it's kind of like in, in her influence type of a thing. It says, and Abraham agreed with Sarai's proposal. And so Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian servant, and gave her to Abram as a wife. This happened 10 years after Abram had settled in the land of Canaan. So Abram had sexual relations with Hagar, and she became pregnant. But when Hagar knew she was pregnant, pregnant she began to treat her mistress, Sarai, with contempt. And Sarai said to Abram, this is all your fault. I put my servant into your arms. And now that she's pregnant, she treats me with contempt. The Lord will show who's wrong, you or me. And Abram replied, look, she is your servant. So deal with her as you see fit. And Sarai treated Hagar so harshly, she finally ran away. But the angel of the Lord found Hagar beside a spring of water in the wilderness along the road to Shur. Now, let me pause there just for a moment. If you remember from last week when the Israelites were going through this desert of Shur, um, you remember that this word, this name Shur means wall, means a stuck place. And so even though this was, was named for the particular region that it was in, it's amazing how the name of this, this, this valley, this wilderness, this desert of Shur, became this significant wall for people in their own emotional, spiritual lives. It became this, I don't know what to do and I'm stuck. And that's where Hagar is. And this angel, which is representing God in this, says to her, Hagar, Sarai's servant, where have you come from and where are you going? And she said, I'm running away from my mistress. And the angel of the Lord said to her, return to her and submit to her authority. And then he added, I will give you more descendants than you can even count. 
And then the angel said, you are now pregnant and will give birth to a son and you are to name him Ishmael, which means God hears. For the Lord has heard your cry of distress. And this son of yours will be a wild man, as untamed as a wild donkey. And he will raise his fist against everyone and everyone will be against him. Yes, he will live in open hostility against all his relatives. Thereafter, Hagar used another name to refer to the Lord who had spoken to her. And she said, here's this, here's this Hebrew term. She said, you are the God who sees me. And if you were to go back into the original language, and maybe you even have a footnote in your Bible, it says, you are El Roy, the God who sees me. Now, there's some incredible history in this, pa- in this passage that we just read about what happens with Ishmael, Ishmael and, and literally the, the, the founding of a nation that came from Abram. But we're not actually going to look at that today. If you want to do some more research on that, you can. But there's this critical part we're looking at of how God responds to this woman. Now, I think we all have moments when we wish someone would simply notice us. Notice how hard we've worked, how long we've suffered, or how much we've accomplished. We just, we're looking for a a pat on the back, some kind of recognition. And yeah, it could be our ego and it could be our pride, but sometimes we've just poured in so much, we just want someone to recognize it. And here we are in a world that while designed to steal our attention, there's often little attention left to give to one another. And that's why the promise of, of El Roy, the God who sees, is so vital for us today. God tells us and assures us in his word that even when the rest of the world passes us by, even though we're ignored by everyone else, that he doesn't. He doesn't turn away. He doesn't ignore us. He doesn't dismiss us. And even in those times when we feel all alone, we can know that we have been caught in the gaze of a God with infinite attention and infinite love towards us. So I'm gonna give you a couple things and I want you to write these down. The first is this, God sees my pain and my struggle. God sees my pain and my struggle. So there is a classic Christmas movie and every year our family watches it. It's black and white. I mean, it goes all the way back and it's got Jimmy Stewart in it. And this movie is called It's a Wonderful Life. And I'm not going to go through the whole premise of the movie, but literally the movie shows how, how Jimmy Stewart's life, his, his character's name was George Bailey, was not so wonderful and how everything turned and how he was in danger of losing everything that he thought was so valuable. Now this movie comes around and he begins to realize that he's actually been given more wealth than anybody else, though it's not in dollars and cents. It's in friendship and family and relationships. And in fact, at the end of this movie, they toast him to George Bailey, the richest man in town. And it had to do with all those intangible things. And so it was kind of a happily ever after ending. It was just really, uh, one. it really did end up a wonderful life, even though he'd had all these things go wrong. Well, the story of Hagar is not a story of a wonderful life. And it actually doesn't have a real happy ending. Because the truth is, that's how a lot of the stories are in the Bible. They're real stories of, of pain and of loss and of sin and of tragedy. And the Bible doesn't sugarcoat 
the real world that we live in. Here's just a couple of encouraging passages for you. Uh, In the book of Job, it says this, people are born for trouble as readily as sparks fly up from the fire. Or how about this one, Job 14? We're all adrift in the same boat, too few days and too many troubles. Some of you are probably thinking, that's my life verse right there. That's, that's the one that's all about me. I'm adrift in the boat with everyone else, too few days, too many troubles. Because the truth is life can be hard. And I know when we look around and we, we hear statistics of other parts of the world and what people go through, and you maybe have had friends and family who've been through just incredible tragedy, and maybe that totally isn't your story. But for everybody, there are moments and times and seasons that's a struggle, that there's pain involved in life. And no one would look at this young woman named Hagar and think, wow, she had life at its best. Look at her life. She was sold as a servant into Abraham's household. She's removed from her family, from her her culture from all that she knew. She was from Egypt and she was no longer in Egypt. God had promised that Abraham's descendants would be as numberless as the stars, but years came and went and this promise wasn't fulfilled. And so Sarai, who's later known as Sarah, became desperate. And and here's where it gets challenging. Instead of trusting and waiting for God to fulfill this promise, In his time and in his way, right? We looked at that even last week. Sarai decided that she and Abram would help God out in this. You ever tried to do that? God's not coming through. This is super hard. So so I'll just take control of this and I'll figure out my own solution. And so that's what she and Abram, her husband, decided to do. We're going to figure this out. We'll make the promise happen because God's not coming through. And so Abraham has this child by Hagar. And like all of life's decisions that leave out God, this plan of Sarai and Abram turned incredibly ugly and brought so much pain and damage, not just for them, though it did, but literally for generations to come. And here's what's crazy. If you really want to look at the history of all of this, we are still in 2021 dealing with the fallout of this decision. We're dealing with the fallout still today because Ishmael, this son she had, became the patriarch and the father of all of the Middle Eastern nations. And you think of what's happening in the news today. Think of what you've seen in Afghanistan and the different countries where there has been ongoing war and conflict that has spilled over into terrorism and different things around the world. It all began right here in Genesis 16. And the, and the power of decisions made when we go, forget God, I'm going to handle this on my own, reverberates, not just for your life, but for those around you and sometimes for generations to come. Now, I don't know if you've ever read through the entire Bible. I really encourage you to do it. And you can read about 10 or 15 minutes a day and read the entire Bible in in just about a year. But as you're going through some of these Old Testament accounts, you're going to have moments when you read. And you're going to be thinking, these are messed up people. 
<laughs> like, like how, why? And I mean, there's just going to be some scenarios that just make you shake your head because you know what you're going to find as you read, especially through the Old Testament, you're going to read about a lot of blood and war and evil and messed up families and relationships and sexual issues. And you're going to go, man, like, what is going on? These people are messed up. And guess what? You're right. You're right. You're going to read about some messed up people. Because again, the Bible doesn't sugarcoat what sin does and what happens when we decide to be our own God and operate in our own selfish desires, to operate by our own, you know, kind of twisted motivations. It gets ugly. And here we are, centuries, millennial later, and what do we see? It's still ugly. And every one of us, you watching, you listening, you've probably had to experience the effects of sin and selfishness, of pride and ego and lust. But what's so powerful about the Bible and what's so true and redemptive about the Bible is that God steps into the middle of all of that and he offers us something more, something beyond. He sees our pain and our struggles and he doesn't turn away. And he doesn't condemn, but instead he invites us to come and to experience life. Listen to what Jesus said in a passage that you're very familiar with. Jesus said, this is how much God loved the world. He gave his son, his one and only son. And this is why, so that no one needs to be destroyed. But by believing in him, anyone can have a whole and a lasting life. And here's the follow-up verse. For God didn't go to all the trouble of sending his son merely to point an accusing finger, telling the world how bad it was, but he came to help and to put the world right again. Some versions say this, that God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save it. Jesus came to set things right, to set us right again. And he sees, he sees the pain and the loss and the struggle. He's the one who sees, he's the one who knows. And when you go back to that Genesis story, here you have Hagar, she became pregnant by Abraham. And when that happened, her position changed. She wasn't just Sarai's servant anymore. She was the mother of Abraham's child. And she began to despise Sarah. And you saw the words, you treat her with, with contempt. And the situation grew worse. And when Sarai told Abram how she felt, Abraham threw Sarai under the bus. See, all these crazy family dynamics and we decide to throw God out and handle things our own way. And so now Abram's throwing Sarai under the bus and says, hey, you take care of it. I don't want to step into the middle of this. I don't know what to do. And he left his wife vulnerable and unprotected. And he left this other young woman vulnerable and unprotected. And Sarai's solution was to mistreat Hagar so badly that she would run away. If you have ever felt like life is out of your control and your situation seems hopeless, if you feel like no one understands and no one can help and no one even cares, then go back to this story and take hold of the truth that God sees our struggles. Write this down for the second one. God is with me and he cares about me personally. This is not a 
God cares for humankind kind of thing, which he does. But it's not just in the aggregate. It's not just in the, in the general. That he knows about you and me and he cares about you and me personally. The Bible even tells us he knows the intimate details of our life, uh, our hair and our thoughts and uh, when do we come and go. And the Bible in various verses and passages tells us about all that God knows and understands about us, things we don't even understand about ourselves. And he sees. I think Hagar was completely amazed that God would care about her. Nobody up to this point had really cared much about her at all. She could die in the wilderness. Nobody was coming after her. She had taken off and there was no search party. But even though she was out in this wilderness, she was not alone because her situation was not unknown to God. So maybe you've made some choices that have led you to some really dark places in your life. And now you feel stuck and you feel alone. You feel like you're in the wilderness and you're thinking, no one cares. I have to deal with all of this stuff by myself. I have to figure out how to wade through all of these issues and problems and conflicts. And maybe you're scared and you're suffering and you're ashamed. And maybe you're even beating yourself up for where you're at. You're thinking, if only I wasn't like that, if only I hadn't made that decision. You need to hear this. You need to hear this. God sees you and he loves you. Let me say it again. God sees you and he loves you. Because he is El Roy. He is the mighty one who sees and hears and knows. He's aware of what you're going through. Actually, he has more than just this knowledge of seeing, yep, there they are. There they are in those things. He actually has a way through the challenges and the pain that you're facing. He told Hagar what she needed to do. Now, do you think she was scared? Absolutely. Could you imagine returning to the person who has mistreated you? I mean, she'd think, like, what's she going to do to me? What's going to happen to me? How are they going to respond when I show up again? Are they going to treat me even worse than before? What's going to happen to this child that I have? What's going to happen to this son? Are they going to take him away from me? I mean, can you imagine all the what ifs that were going through her hair, her head? But remember what she knew, that God was there with her and cared about her personally. And if God cared for her and knew her and saw her, there was this kind of, kind of effect that comes. It's like, well, if God knows and God cares and God sees and God has a plan, then what am I afraid of? Why, why should I let anxiety control me? And God's with you and he cares for you personally. And because he sees you and he knows you and he hears you and he's with you, why do we have to be afraid? Now, I know we still do fear sometimes. I think that's probably the natural response, the natural human response we all have, right? All the what ifs, but what about this? And what about this? And what if this happens? And what if that happens? And what if they say this? What if, what if they do that? And then all those scenarios play in our head. I know, I, I do it too. But this isn't a shame directed thing like you should never fear. 
And I know we read some passages in the New Testament where, where Paul tells us, do not be afraid. But it's not saying, shame on you if you have that kind of fear and anxiety. It really is an invitation from the mighty one who sees us to trust him. Those feelings are going to come up. But he says, it's okay, I've got you. It's, it's like God is saying, I know this is a lot. I know your heart is pounding and you're wondering what's going to happen, but know this, I am with you. I love you and I'm for you. Have you ever had to face something that is so hard? You're just not sure you can do it. Have you ever had something like that? Maybe you've had to admit something. You've had to confess something something you've done, something you've been involved in. And you just, you're dreading having to confess that to people that you know it's going to hurt them. You know they may be disappointed in you. They may be angry at you. They may shame you. But you know you need to do it. And it's so hard. Maybe you need to own up to a personal failure. Maybe it's, it's having a hard conversation. Maybe it's stepping into a conflict. And man, it's the last thing that you want to do. We can probably all think of something we know we've had to do, but our heart is pounding and we're sweating and we're not even sure the words can come out. I'm telling you, I've had some of those. I've been in some tense situations and there are times that I've been, you know, in those and Gina has been right next to me and without even words, she's just squeezed my hand, just squeezed my hand. And that squeeze has said it all. It's, it's you and me together in this. It's that squeeze of, I'm with you. I'm with you. Now that's just as meaningful it is. It's just a shadow of God's presence and power that he extends to us. Do you, know, do you understand how freeing it is to know that God is with you and loves you? Remember the story in the Old Testament of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? I won't tell the whole story. You can read about it in the book of Daniel. But they had told King Nebuchadnezzar that they didn't fear being thrown into this fire because they wouldn't bow down to this, this idol. And that was the threat. You're going to lose your life. We're going to throw you into the fire. And and they told him, they said, we're not afraid of, of what you can do because we know who holds us. Daniel knew that, as he told the king, that, that God had sent an angel that was going to shut the mouths of the lions, that they simply couldn't harm him. But he wasn't going to be afraid because he knew God was with him and he had to do what was right. Paul knew that kind of assurance and trust as he sung songs of praise when he's sitting in a Philippian jail. The Apostle John knew that kind of assurance as he was exiled to an island. God is with you and we don't have to live in fear because he is El Roy. He's the one who sees us. Now the enemy will try to convince you that it isn't true and he'll try to isolate you. And he'll try to paralyze you. But when the fear comes and those anxious feelings arise, you can confidently say what King David said in Psalm 23. He said, even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid. Why? Because you're close beside me. I want you to hear this today. There is no problem. There is no desert. There's no dark valley. There's no conflict. There's no mess that is 
so big that God just walks away, that God can't see it. You will never hear or read or even sense God saying, I can't see any solution to this. Why don't you just give up? You're on your own. God sees you, he hears you, and he knows exactly what you need. And when you come to understand that God is the one who sees you, you can either be fully confident as his child or full of guilt because of your sin. But God sees you and has already made a way for you, a journey to life and hope, and it's through Jesus. If you've ever heard the word gospel before, it's not just a genre of music. That word gospel literally means good news. And the best news ever is that Jesus came to offer you forgiveness and life and freedom and hope. Remember Jesus' words? We read them just a few minutes ago. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. It's the greatest exchange ever. Forgiveness and life from him in exchange for my sin and shame. Like who wouldn't give that up? He sees you and he knows what you're facing. He sees into the deepest places in you where shame and insecurities and pain have taken root. And he cares about you personally to set you free and to lead you home. And you can know him today. Would you bow your heads with me? I know it's weird to have your eyes closed and your head bowed as you're sitting in front of an iPad or a computer screen or your TV or your phone. But I want to give you a moment to respond back to God. It doesn't have to be business as usual. It doesn't have to be jumping through enough religious hoops to to please him. Instead, he, he invites you to come and by his grace to be washed clean and to enter into his family, to know him because he sees you. So if you're listening to this right now and you're ready to take that step, I just want you to either out loud or in your heart, in your, in your thoughts, I just want you to pray a prayer like this. Lord Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my sin and set me free. Thank you for going to the cross. Thank you for giving up your life and pain for my sin. I choose, Lord, you as my Lord and Savior, the one who sees me. I choose, Lord, to follow after you this day and forever. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Hey, if you prayed that prayer with me, I wanna encourage you to take the next step. I know you're thinking, well, what's involved in that? Well, it's real, real easy. All you have to do is text the word decision to 30500. I'm gonna send you a quick text back. Uh, you, you'll, you'll get a link there that you can find some steps to take, but take the next step towards Jesus. Keep tuning in, keep following him. Uh, we'd love to give you a Bible. We'd love to help you take those steps, learn more about Jesus because he's inviting you to experience more of life than you ever thought possible. Hey, as you go, I wanna leave you with this Psalm 34, 15. David wrote this, the eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right and his ears are open to their cries for help. He sees, he hears, he knows you because you matter. Hey, thanks for joining us for this uh, worship experience this weekend. I hope that you'll keep taking steps closer to him. Be blessed.